Please be opening to the final book in the New Testament, the Revelation of John. When you think of this book in the New Testament, the Revelation of John, what are some of the first images that may come to your mind? Probably the visions, the dramatic pictures and images painted by John, the challenge to interpret those visions in a particular time frame that would be appropriate, then the application of those messages to your life today. This evening, I want us to go beyond our first thoughts about Revelation, and I want to take us to the person this book is about. The person this book is about. The person of this book is not the Apostle John, who saw the visions and documented what he saw. The person of this book is not the great red dragon or the beast from the sea. The person who is at the center of this final New Testament book is Jesus Christ. Listen, please, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. One of the great keys to understanding the book of Revelation, in fact, understanding the New Testament and the entire Bible, is the truth about who Jesus is. Revealed in the dignified language of this New Testament book. Look at these rich descriptions of Jesus Christ in verse 5. The firstborn from the dead is an affirmation of his resurrection from the dead, which is the central truth of Christianity. Also, he is the ruler over the kings of the earth. That statement gives us great hope and courage 
that there is one who stands in a higher place than the kings and rulers on the earth. One who is far superior in goodness and power and wisdom, far above the kings and rulers of the earth. This is about Jesus who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So can I take us tonight to the other description of Jesus in verse 5 of Revelation chapter 1. Verse 5, we're going to spend our time with one of those descriptive phrases. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. That's where I want our focus to be. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. First of all, let's just think about the function of a witness. Have you ever witnessed a crime or an accident and you had to write down what you saw? Maybe you have been asked to sign some document affirming your knowledge of something. Could be you have been called into a courtroom hearing as a witness to some incident. In all of these cases, your function is simple. Tell the truth. What is expected of a witness is integrity. You cannot just say anything you'd like to say that is comfortable for you. You cannot just speak what will favor one party over another. The job of a witness is to tell the truth. Let's go further. In our system, in both civil and criminal courts, witnesses are qualified in terms of three things. Reputation, competence, and knowledge of the event in question. I want us to consider that. If someone has a bad reputation, a questionable reputation or background, if they might be considered incompetent in some way, or if they really don't know about the matter under consideration, they're not regarded as a good witness. These requirements must be met. Reputation, competence, and knowledge of the events under consideration. Witnesses can quickly be impeached in court if they lack reputation, competence, or knowledge. So now I want us to take that and think of Christ who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, who is called here the faithful witness. And I'm going to affirm that when Jesus Christ is judged by these three standards, the conclusion is he is the perfect witness. Let's examine him by each of these three qualifications. As to reputation, spotless. Even the Roman official whose permission was sought to execute Jesus said this in Luke 23, 13, I have found no guilt in this man. That was Pilate's conclusion, though he did turn him over to the mob, but that was his conclusion about the man. 
Honest readers of the Bible today conclude that Jesus suffered no mark at all against his reputation. Peter said of him in Acts 10.38, He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Going back, Pilate's wife said, according to Matthew 27.19, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Then Peter, in 1 Peter 3.22, quoting Isaiah 6, says, Jesus committed no sin, nor was guilt found in his mouth. So, judged based on reputation, Jesus is perfectly qualified as the faithful witness. What about competence? Competence is another standard applied to witnesses. Competence means mentally capable, having those skills of judgment, reaction, and capacity for mature decisions. The temple guards who came to arrest Jesus observed and then confessed the maturity, the competence that they saw in the man. In Luke 7, 46, they said, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. Now, these were the officers of the chief priests and Pharisees. These were men who likely entertained no favor for Jesus at all. Yet, they knew what he said and how he lived. And they had never heard anybody speak such deep and profound things. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, this is the conclusion many drew when they heard him. He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. So Jesus proves himself to be a faithful witness in his spotless reputation, in his impressive moral competence, and... Third, in his knowledge. So the question comes up, does the witness know about the things he's talking about? In the first chapter of Colossians, Paul describes Jesus in many different ways with words and phrases chosen by the Holy Spirit to put before us the incomparable Christ. I want you to listen to some of this in Colossians 1, 13 through 20. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Did you hear that phrase in verse 16? By him all things were created. Jesus was there when all things were created, but he was not an inactive observer. He was an active divine participant in the work of creation. By him all things were created. Jesus possesses the perfect knowledge of one who was there when all things were created and who was involved in that miracle. So I'm asking you to consider, therefore, Jesus Christ as the faithful witness. That means spotless reputation, perfect confidence, and the highest kind of knowledge. Now, remember, the chief expectation of a witness is to tell the truth. Jesus has absolutely no other experience. I mean, he's never said anything that wasn't the truth. He is and ought to be so regarded by us today as the faithful witness. Did you know that the word martyr has as its Greek root the word witness. In a court of justice, one bearing testimony to the truth, even against the penalty of death, Jesus Christ lived by the truth of God and died because of that loyalty. All that he did, all that he was, all that he said was because of his resolute loyalty to the truth of God. He bore witness to what he knew was true and right. And that standard has been conveyed to us through his chosen men and written in this book. Jesus said one time, John 8, 38, I speak the things which I have seen with my Father. There's your faithful witness. I'm telling you what I know to be true. I speak the things which I have seen with my Father. And then in the same context, he said, this is John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. One pressing need today as individuals who are made in the image of God is to accept Jesus Christ as the faithful witness. He faithfully testified the truth of God. His life exemplified that standard. He caused his testimony to be written for our learning and for our living today. Let me tell you this. You need someone in your life who will tell you the truth about yourself. You need someone in your life who will tell you the truth about yourself. You need someone in your life who will not shield you or protect you from the truth about who you really are. 
how you ought to speak, what you ought to do, and how you should prepare for death. Jesus Christ is that faithful witness. In a quotation I found from a biblical scholar, his name was Trench, I found these eloquent words several years ago about Jesus as a faithful witness. A faithful witness because he gave faithful testimony concerning all things which were to be testified by him in the world. A faithful witness because whatever he heard from the Father, he faithfully made known. A faithful witness because he taught the way of God in truth, neither did he care for anyone nor regard the person of man. No favoritism, just the truth. A faithful witness because he announced condemnation to the reprobate and salvation to the elect. A faithful witness because he confirmed by miracles which he wrought that were taught in words that we have a record of. A faithful witness because he denied not, even in death, the Father's testimony to himself. A faithful witness. And I want to add this quotation I found that summarizes what I'm talking about tonight. A paraphrase from McLaren's Expositions of Scripture. How different this ordinary, worried present would be if we could carry with us into all its trivialities, into all its monotony, into all its commonplace routine, into all its little annoyances and great sorrows, this one radiant thought as the source of light and strength and blessing. We are loved by the faithful witness. Jesus Christ, where is he in your life? One more thing from the book of Revelation. This statement of praise to Christ in chapter 5 verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then in verse 13, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And so, what is your present attitude toward Jesus Christ? Are you living under his authority today? <clears throat> Have you obeyed him? being baptized into his death. Are you walking in him who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth? I'm asking all of us to soberly reflect on who Jesus is and what our response to him is as we stand together and as we sing.